What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G-O-D make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. What's up, y'all? Good morning, Devin. What's up? What's up? How you doing, Dave? Good, man. Normally, we introduce the podcast and say the date, but after quarantine, I'm not really sure that I don't even know what today is. Bro, I've <laughs> lost track of days. I thought like I thought yesterday was our recording day. I woke up early and everything, and I was like, "Oh shoot, it's it's actually Friday." What's up, y'all? Today's show is brought to you by O'Donnell Financial Coaching. O'Donnell Financial Coaching exists to empower you to take control of your finances. Whether you are in debt and don't know where to start, need help creating a budget that works for your family and your life, or even if you have questions about what to do with your wealth and where it should go, Adam, the owner, is a certified master financial coach that can coach you through your financial situation with the experience of someone who has paid off debt and with the knowledge of someone who is building their financial future with budgeting and investing. Adam offers coaching online, which is a quick and convenient way to get you the help that you need. Get in touch with him today to schedule your first session at adamcoachesmoney.com and connect with him on Instagram at adamcoachesmoney. And let them know that Dave and Dev sent you. So today is Saturday. Uh, we're sitting here at the end of March, March 28th. Uh, super exciting stuff, though, at least at least from the podcast perspective, not much from the from the quarantine aspect, but uh, we're starting a new series, huh, bro? Yes, sir. We're uh, we're starting the the coaching series today. It's just uh, a, we'll have a couple coaches come on and talk about uh, just what they do and um, and how they and how they do it and any tips of the trade that they can give they can give to us. Absolutely, we're gonna call it the coaches clinic. Uh, it's gonna be fun. So try to have as many people on as we can and um, chat with everybody about it. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I'm super excited for this. This is like consecutively, but I'm super excited for this. This is going to be really fun. And we, I think we're going to have some really good guests coming in here. Absolutely. And if you're listening to this podcast and you want to be a guest on the coaches clinic, you just let us know. So um, the first person that we're going to have on the coaches clinic is going to be uh, my friend, my best man from my wedding, uh, Mr. Keegan Bernie. I've known Keegan for a long time. Uh, we went to church together uh, all throughout high school. His mom was the choir director at our church. And uh, my mom was extensively always at the church. So by default, Keegan and I kind of met each other. And uh, then we began hanging out a lot and, and we became really good 
really good friends and, and stayed that way through college and everything like that. So, uh, Keegan, man, welcome to the show. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, as Dave said, my name's Keegan. I am the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator up here at Miami University Hamilton. Uh, we are a, a regional campus for Miami University of Ohio. Uh, so smaller school, uh, but really enjoy working up here, uh, working with our team and uh, being a part of something bigger than uh, just myself and my family. Uh, got my wife up here with me with our two amazing boys that are full of energy, a three-year-old and a <laughs> nine-month-old. So uh, between that and baseball, it, it keeps me on my toes. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'd say that it never stops. <laughs> my one boy is extremely destructive, so I can only imagine what two would be like. <laughs> yeah, two boys is uh, it's a learning curve, that's for sure. Um, for sure. Well, awesome, man. Well, welcome to the show. We're super excited about this. So, uh, you coach baseball, uh, and if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know that Devin and I uh, are not the largest baseball fans, <laughs> but this is going to be great perspective, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Devin is also a coach. Um, Devin, you want to talk a little bit about your coaching experience, coaching yeah, resume? Yeah, so in just a brief, short resume of, of what I do is um, I coach a homeschool program in Kentucky. It's for homeschool high schoolers in, in the state, and we go um, pretty much around the state and sometimes even around the, this, uh, the country to go play other teams. And uh, it's, it functions like a normal high school. We play public and, uh, we play public and other homeschools and some private schools as well um, around the state. And so I've been doing that now for about almost five years now. Awesome, man. Yeah, I've been fortunate to to see you both in the action in that capacity. So I'm super excited about this. I want to kick it off, and uh, I'm going to ask Keegan, like, so what got you into coaching? Like, what was like, okay, I got to go do this. Like, there's something that I, I can't let it go. So I, I started off um, – my last year of college, I got hurt, so I couldn't continue to play. Uh, so I lost my last year. It was just completely devastated. And I have to admit, like, starting off, it was kind of a, a selfish reason. Um, I, I wanted to find a way to stay in the game. Um, but as I got into it, I, uh, I, I went on to coach at a high school for two years, Um as I got into it, I realized, man, this is more than just me. This isn't about me anymore. This is about the kids that I'm working with, the kids that we're trying to get better. Um, and I just fell in love with that. I fell in love with the teaching aspect. I fell in love with developing guys. Um, and had, had some success at the high school level and had an opportunity to look at this, uh, look at moving on to the college level. Um, and it's, it's the same thing. It's very development-oriented. Uh, our, our big thing that I love uh, is that we don't just develop ball players; We're developing young men as they go forward. You know, I, I teach a lot of lessons about baseball. I can talk to you about mechanics. I can talk to you about analytics. But what really excites me is talking about how you're going to be a better person after your four years here. Yeah, that's that, awesome. That's that's really what drives me. 
just helping guys grow. Um, yeah, we, we win ball games. We're we're pretty successful, but the success stories don't stop on the ball field. They continue 10, 15 years down the road. Um, I, I've been blessed. I coach with the guy that's um, really become a great mentor and a, a friend. Uh, he's been coaching here for 21 years. Wow. And uh, just sitting and listening to him tell baseball stories from his 21 years, he always will tell the story about what happens on the field and then follow up with what that person's doing now, how they're successful. And you see him light up uh, about uh, what this person's doing now more than what they did on the field. And that's, that's truly our full driving force um, right now where I'm at. Man, that's, <clears throat> that's awesome, man. I, I can definitely understand both aspects of that. Like, I think a lot of people probably go into it with the same like mentality that you said at the beginning, but I'd say in the end, a lot of people feel very similar. So, right. so Devin, t- talk to us a little bit about like what got you into coaching um, and your capacity. Oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> so my story of how I got into coaching, honestly, I, I really wasn't looking for coaching. I had just got done playing basketball. Um, I played five five years at, uh, at a Division one school. Then I got – so then after it was over, you kind of had this moment like, yo, what am, I, what am I supposed to do right now? And you get, you get out of it, and uh, I, I started just volunteering at a bunch of different places. And so I actually started at Upward. If anyone knows what Upward is, it's, it's yep. like a little recreational league that has uh, some biblical principles that, you ch- that they try to teach kids. And so I started at Upward. Um, that's, my, that's where I started in basketball. And then uh, from there, I met some parents. And this I remember the last game of the season. So uh, this, this parent comes over from the other team and says, hey, man, you could be – you should be our, our coach for our high school, for our homeschool team, high school, homeschool team. I'm like, yeah, right. Like that don't even exist. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, so, uh, my, he said, give me your number. So I got his number, I exchanged numbers with him. And then, uh, they started calling me and I thought like, this was a joke. So I didn't, I didn't really answer it. And then finally they got like my work email and I was like, all right, so this is serious. Like, so I got either, I got to meet these people or I got to shut this down because this is going to my work email and they're starting to affect my work. So I met with them and I was like, they were dead serious. Like, this is, this is a thing. It's like, you come see us whenever. I was like, all right, so I'll be there after work today. And so I went to like one of their open gyms and I was like, oh shoot, like this is, they actually got kids. It's a lot of kids doing this. And so, um, I said, would you mind me giving them a couple of drills next time? I said, yeah, sure. I could do that. So uh, I ended up walking in, giving them drills, and from that day forward, I've been hooked. Um, just it's not like it's sort of like what Keegan said. It's not just about like winning games for me because um, we've been very successful in what we do. Um, but it's more about like I tell every every parent that I meet with um, at the end of the season, your kid will grow. Um, physically, mentally, but most important, spiritually. 
And if they don't, if they don't grow in their relationship with Christ, then I failed as a, as a coach. And mm. we could lose, mm. we could lose every game this season. And I told them we could lose every game this season. That's a possibility. We're we're not going to lose every game this season. But I mean, the the, the chances are still there. Um, I said, but if one kid gets has a better relationship with Christ at the end of the season, that's a successful season for me. Um, the moment I start judging my successes. In, as wins and losses, then that's the moment that I failed them as coaches. And, uh, and people have really bought into that. And uh, it's, it's been great these last couple of years. Man, that's awesome. Like, I love hearing both of y'all speak to that, uh, especially knowing you guys prior to being coaches. Uh, it definitely warms my soul for sure. I feel like in, those, in the midst of those conversations, you guys both talked about, talked about like how, um, you know, coaching brings you a certain joy and different aspects of it. So I'd kind of like to just transition to like, what are the biggest challenges that you have uh, in coaching Devin? Like, what is the, what are things that like maybe you didn't expect to be an issue or arise every season, anything like that? Like, I'm just curious, like what kind of challenges you run into? So at, at my level, like the biggest challenge that you have um, is so there, there, there's an aspect of like I, I love the parents that that are with me, but parents can be a challenge at times because the expectation um, that I've given them as a like I, I would tell them that this is all about just Christ centered program and I just want I just want these boys to grow in their relationship with Christ and at some points in the season uh, you could get players and and parents who drift from that mission. And you have to remind them about what the initial mission was. And so everyone goes to a hard point during the season. Um, no matter who you are, someone gets – they get frustrated, bored, whatever, where they don't they, – it's just hard to find them, like, giving them motivation again. But the hardest part for me is, is keeping people on mission for what we're, trying to, what we're trying to do. And that's – I mean, like I said, just make disciples in Christ. For sure. What about you, Keegan? Uh, some of my biggest challenges since coming from the high school to the college level, um, I, I started out as a volunteer assistant here and then quickly uh, moved up into the recruiting coordinator position. Uh, coming from a high school program to college, you don't do recruiting in high school, or at least you shouldn't. <laughs> I was going to say, I was you, like, uh, there's some yeah. people. Some people do. Um, I never did. So learning how to recruit has been a challenge for me. Um, and, and it's not the relationship part and talking with people, but it's the, you know, I can talk to three kids. I think it's a great thing going. I think I've got them in the bag like they're coming. And the next thing you know, someone else has done the exact same work I have and to see them go elsewhere uh, could be pretty tough. Um, sure. uh, but also, you know, at, at our level, we're nine and a half months out of the year. So I have to help keep 30 to 35 guys on task for nine and a half months out of the year and keep that focus and keep that end goal in sight. And even though I'm working with older players than Devon is, like there's a lack of focus there. We lose sight of our goals. Um, and that that's tough sometimes. 
And it's tough to reel in guys. Um, and, and with all, with having such a big roster, um, I, I have to connect with 30 different kids at the same time. Dang. Um, so it's, it's tough. Like, all, all 30 of my kids learn differently. All 30 of my kids respond differently. And I have to make sure that when I'm giving a group message, one, that I'm not shutting someone down. Two, I'm keeping everybody locked in and focused. And then three, I have to think, okay, who are the outliers right there? Who do I have to go pull back in just a little bit? Uh, that, that can be pretty challenging at times. Um, yeah, you, you got a lot of responsibility with, with, uh, with, with 30, that's 30 personalities. And I, I like for right. me, like as a coach, I'll tell, I'll tell people like, as a coach, you feel like you're almost the parent of, for me, it's like 12 kids. Right. For you, you got 30 to keep up, to keep up with. And, uh, you got 30 different personalities. So like, how do you, how do you keep, how do you manage the all the personalities that you got in the in the room at the same time. Uh, the the short answer is I really don't know. I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we we uh, we really work just to build individual connections with each player, and that's the way to manage thirty personalities. We talk about our our team culture a lot. Yeah. Um, and we we say you know. With 30 guys on the team, we don't expect you to be best friends with everybody on the team. But when you are here, we expect you to be able to work with each other, be a professional, carry yourself in a professional manner. And that's that's what we look for. The, guy, the guys we have buy into that. Uh, the nice thing with the college program is if someone doesn't buy into that, I can replace them. Um, we can get – we call them cancer cells. Uh, if someone doesn't buy into the program, doesn't buy into being a good teammate, um, the the players themselves essentially tell us, "Hey, here's our problem. We we need to fix this." And the easiest way to fix a cancer cell is to remove it. Um, and that's tough too. It, I mean, you you get a connection with a certain person, you don't want to just kick them to the curb, and. Sometimes that's the best thing for the team, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point, though, too. Like, uh, obviously, I don't coach in a um, a sports capacity any longer. Um, however, in, in my role as a leader, like, you know, the biggest challenges I have are, you know, managing a, a team of 11, you know, 10 to 11 different personalities that, you know, sometimes clash and, uh, you know, I tell my players a lot of or my players. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I do think of them as a sports team, but I, I tell my guys all the time, like, you know, we have to work well together and we have to raise each other up. And when we all are on the same page, we elevate together. Right. Yeah. And then there's times where we have to have those hard conversations that say like, look, like, you know, I think the best thing at this moment is for you to, uh, you know, remove yourself from the situation and, and in business that's hard because you're dealing with people's livelihoods and in sports that's hard, but especially at the college level and when ball is right. life, you know what I'm saying? Sadly, a lot of times yeah. is that like, this is, this is the lifestyle for, for people that play about in the college. Say, like, for most of the people that go to these colleges, the only reason why they're at this school 
is because they got recruited or like because they have some kind they're because of athletics right exactly like I mean that that's I mean and that's and that, that gets really tough to when you tell a person hey man this 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 probably isn't the place for you anymore or any longer I mean that's 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 hard. It puts coaches in tough positions, and I think it's coaches on all levels, not just at the college level, but sometimes you're getting kids that you're the first person to truly hold them accountable to their actions. And Absolutely, yeah. A lot of times, the guys that haven't been held accountable for whatever reason, they're the ones that struggle, yeah, because they're not used to that. And the next thing you know, they're almost rebelling against that. Um and resentful toward you because of, you know, you're holding them in check. And with our team, you know, we've got a great group of guys. They keep each other in check. Um, Nine times out of ten, before I can say something to someone, one of our upperclassmen is already jumping on a guy saying, hey, we don't do that here. Let's go refocus, lock back in along those lines. So you had talked a little bit about, like, developing a culture. Yeah, um, in in your program, so is that something that you all do intentional from day one? And if so, how do you all do that? So it's very intentional. It's very intentional. Um, you know, we we really look back, and as a coaching staff, we say our main goal is to teach these guys to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And um, that. Being at a state college can be difficult to do that. Just with, you know, we if, it, if we were at a Christian school, it would be a little bit easier um, because we could be more transparent with all of this. Um, we still share our faith each day uh, in our own ways, but um, we, we just have to be careful with how we approach it. Um, so... One of my favorite things to do each each fall with the guys is I, I tell the story about the Hebrew army going into battle and uh, God telling Moses to hold a staff above his head and uh, they will win the battle. And Moses gets tired. His arms get tired. His arms start to fall. The, the staff starts to fall. The Hebrew army starts losing. So people grab his arms and hold them up. And that's the battle goes on, he gets tired, so they pull a rock for him to sit on. So I talk with the team of, hey, everybody has a rock that holds you up. And I talk about, you know, it's my wife, it's my parents. And I tell them, I said, I don't know who your rock is, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, and then I go on to talk about how we all also have people that hold us up and pick us up when we need that. And I look each of my players dead in the eye and I say, I will be your rock when it comes to baseball, when it comes to school, when it comes to growing up. I will be your rock while you are here. You guys have to hold each other up. And when when that happens, when they buy into that, that's our culture right there. I mean, it, it sounds really mm-hmm. simple, but there's so many moving parts within that. Of how do we hold each other up? When do I lean on the coach? When do I just need someone to hold me up? Um, and it also sets the tone for coaches to build personal relationships as well. 
Because, um, you know, at the college level, guys make mistakes. <laughs> not just playing, not just in school, but in life, too. And a lot of times, they would rather come tell me that they did something wrong instead of telling their parents they did something wrong. Um, just because, you know, I'm, I'm not the, uh, the person that's financing their college. So I, I have a few less consequences I can hand out, essentially. <laughs> um, so they come to me first with a lot of issues. Um, and, you know, it, it's a time to show tough love. It's a time to help them grow. But it's also a time to show them grace and help them move forward. And it's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, and that story about the Hebrew army got, got me ready to go out and play right now. <laughs> I'm about to say, yo, I'm about to, let's go. Let's, Night my gloves. Let's get it. That was, hey, that's, that's good. Yeah. So we, yeah that's we, that's we awesome. We tell them that story, then we, we set them in a room by themselves and walk out. Say, hey, you guys talk about what it means to hold each other up. What does that mean to you? And we give them about 10 minutes and just let them talk. Um, and then we come in and we just have a discussion. It's pretty simple. Um, nothing that we do here is new. Nothing that we do is something we've created. We don't recreate the wheel. Um, we, we just put into place what, what's successful. and We, we keep it simple. Man, that's awesome. Definitely appreciate you, you know, sharing that that story. And I think it, you know, um, it leads me into uh, uh, one of my last questions that I have for you specifically, Keegan. I mean, Devin, your season's kind of over. So, um, but but like, you know, right now in this time, like, like, bro, you guys should be in full swing of yeah. baseball season. And then, bam, like we get hit with like a global yeah. pandemic. So, Right now, like, what does it look like for you? Are you, uh, you know, calling your play? Like, you guys have group chats, I'm sure. Like, like, what's it look like for y'all right now? I'm sure there's people out there that are just devastated that, you know, they can't so be on the field. we were 11 games into our season. We were actually Florida when oh. uh, we were told our season was done. Shoot. Um, we were – while we were in Florida, we had played six games. We were supposed to play eight. But we, we went five and one. We were – playing good competition and averaging 12 runs a game uh, through through 11 wow. games. Our team batting average was over 340. Our team ERA was a 289. Like, you don't get that here. Good Lord, y'all yeah. are balling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everything's done. So it, it was devastating um, to pull all of our players into a hotel room at 10 o'clock at night and say, hey, guys, our season's done. Sorry, man. Um, how how did they respond? Dude. Oh, they were they were totally devastated. Um, we had seen uh -huh. we had four seniors this year. One guy was a, a fifth year who had come back from Tommy John. Um, he he had thrown some last year, but was looking to build on that this year and be healthier. Uh, another one uh, is getting married this fall or next spring. And uh, one last ride. And then we had two guys. One probably still will play pro ball. Another one needed this last year to really have a shot. And uh, 
to see those four guys realize that their college career is essentially done. Just tears you up. Oh man. So but there's then, no hope of another of another year yet? Um there is. We are still waiting to hear. Um, NCAA Division One will be voting on another year of eligibility for guys on Monday. Um, Division Two has already come out and said everybody gets another year. So we're uh, we're an independent school, so we kind of have to see what everybody does before we know what our school and our our level will decide. Yeah, uh, we let the the bigger. Uh, governing boards make their decisions, and then when we see what everybody does, they make a decision. Um, but, you know, two of our four seniors are fifth years this year. Uh, one of the guys graduates in May. I, he's not going to be back. Um, so that's tough. Um, and for the sure. other guy that's uh, looking at pro ball for sure, <clears throat> he's got to go play pro ball now before he ages out. Yeah. So we lose those guys. Um, the other two guys, they do have more school to do, so we'll see. But life also gets in the way. Uh, we don't know that we can't guarantee that they'll be with us. Um, but then as far as, like, recruiting goes, as far as um, team roster management goes, we don't know what impact this will have. Um, I know as of today we have about 10 guys committed. Um, so that's that's still a work in progress. The recruiting never stops. Yeah. Um, I'm using this dead time to be on the phone more and try to do recruiting solely over the phone. Uh, we can't bring anybody on campus, which hurts us. Um, but we're, we're making the best of the situation. As I've told guys, I said, we're going to come back hungry come August. We're going to come back ready to work. Because this is the longest off season any of us have had. This is the first spring I've had off since I was probably four. <laughs> I I don't know. Good lord! I, I, <laughs> the first week I literally paced around the house, not knowing what to do with myself, and just almost like in withdrawal of being with my team, being with my guys. Um, it it's been tough. But uh, we communicate through uh, GroupMe is a great tool. We use that all the time with our guys. Uh, I'm sending them videos of, hey, check this out. I'm sending them podcasts to listen to saying, hey, this this is good stuff. Like, I know you're bored just like I am. This is the best we can do. Um, but just trying to live it day by day. And uh, while I'm grieving the loss of the season, I know our guys are grieving too, so we can lean on each other and just be transparent with each other and help each other get through this. Wow. For sure, for sure. Well, I can definitely appreciate that. I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys because I just – I have to know, um, you know, Devin, and I'll, I'll start with you and let Keegan finish it. But, like, who's the favorite coach you've ever had Oh, shoot. My favorite coach I've ever had. Oh, this is tough, Dave. Um, So the first one, I mean, I I really did love playing for my dad when I was little. So that would be the first one. But then um, 
just because he kind of he just taught me the game, taught me, and like you, everyone thinks like when your dad's a coach, you don't get favoritism. No, not at all. Because I I had to get it in the car rides too. So that was tough. <laughs> yeah. But then after that, uh, I would say I had a coach in AU basketball when I was in high school. His name was Coach Reggie. And uh, Coach Reggie was like, I mean, like when I first came over there, like Coach, he, he wanted me to play for his AU team. So I was like, I'm about to get special treatment. This is about to be love. But he dogged me. And he pushed me to such a different level. Like, and, and uh, I, I loved it because he held me accountable. Like, he would, he would be so hard on me. Like, like to a point, like when my dad, like he was, he could, he had to stop coaching me because it just wasn't getting through to me. Coach Reggie just took it to that other level where he still hold me accountable for my actions. And then, but after the games, like he, we would go out to eat. He would call, like I would, you know, and it was just, it was just a, just a good relationship. And I still like consider him like a family member to this day. So he was probably my favorite coach that I had uh, growing up. Awesome. How about you, Keegan? I think of two people pop into mind. Um, first one is Dave Buchanan. He was actually my football coach in high school. Um, he was the first example I had from a coaching perspective of what a servant leader is. Uh, he, he cared more about you off mm. the field than on the field, but he was always looking at how did we get better today? And it's something I still I still use to this day. Get better each day. Move past the bad. Learn from the bad. Um, but he he was a coach that, you know, in tough times, he'd pull me aside, give me a hug, say, hey, I love you. If you need anything, let me know. I will help you out. And that that still means so much um, from him. Another one is my high school coach, uh, Chris Maxwell at uh, Dixie. Um you know, he's, gosh, he's probably in his, close to his 40th year of coaching now. Dang. Yeah, he's, wow. He's awesome. Uh, as a player, <clears throat> he had nothing but respect for us. And we had nothing but respect for him. Uh, but what's cool now is I get to go back and recruit some of his current players. And I just asked him, I said, why, why do you still do this? Why, what keeps you going after all these years? And he said, I, I can't stop caring for these guys i love to teach them and uh just big heart um and still still when i go back we talk about when i played there we talk about my teammates and again same thing as uh the current head coach i'm working with he's more excited to know what we are doing now going out in the world being parents working things like that um than how many games we won yeah, it's just it means so much to know that, you know, I could still pick up the phone today and call and say, hey, I need help. And he would he would find a way to help out. Sweet. That's awesome. Man, that's awesome. I definitely appreciate both of you guys uh, your takes on that and, and everything we discussed. I think this has been an awesome uh, first episode of the coaches clinic. So, Keegan, thank you so yeah. much for being on our show. Uh, I'm excited to uh listen to this again and again and share it with the world. And uh, I'm excited to, to continue this series. So we'll have you on again soon, man. And in the meantime, enjoy your family and Devon, you uh, maybe take a shower and change your clothes or something every now and <laughs> yeah, then. That'd man. be good. 
coronavirus survivor now here. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it and enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. You've been awesome. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, until Peace. next time. Peace.